Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. Should I just go ahead and start the hangout? Engage. <laughs> engage. Who we we have engaged a Borg. <laughs> we have engaged the Hugh. We have engaged a Borg. Hugh, the Borg. Wouldn't Sean Connery have been amazing on Star Trek just in any capacity? It's in any like capacity, indeed. Any capacity whatsoever, indeed. right? Just one ping. <clears throat> Just one ping, Mr. Data. One ping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome back, audience, to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek. Uh, we are currently focused on Star Trek The Next Generation Season 5, Episode 22. Soy Borg. Jo Soy Borg. Jo Soy Borg. That's the name of this episode. No, I'm just kidding. It's Ivorg. But <laughs> how cool would it? Oh, we have engaged the Borg. You got to move him over a little bit. We more have engaged the Borg. Oh my! Is that you? Is yeah, that you? Oh my! It just is a generic Borg. No, let's see him. Can you bring him up close? Can, can we get it is, him up it close? Is not Q, it is not Hugh. This is a generic Borg. Oh, okay, but there's some items that are similar. Like, some of the armor looks... Because they are Borg. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Oops. Oh, no. The Borg... I turn off the... No, the Borg are calling me right now. The collective... The Borg collective is calling... <laughs> Oh no, the Borg collection. <laughs> I think that that's going to be Arthur's Halloween costume next year is, is a Borg. Did you okay. dress up Arthur for Halloween this year? Uh, no, he only wore his little Halloween bow tie. He has a, a bow tie with little fish skeletons on oh, it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so that's what he wears at Halloween for the last two years, but... I I tried. To, I looked. At, there's no. He's kind of a petite cat. He might be. He might be the runt of his litter. So he's not a, like a huge cat. Uh-huh. Um, so it's hard to find a costume that fits him. I uh, I had some uh, contenders this year, but they just didn't work out. They were. I think they were like, gonna be too big on him. <laughs> right. No, I know it's hard. Also, if you don't find the right costume. And you make them wear it, they're pretty... They get angry. I've seen on oh, YouTube yeah, for sure. videos of cats being like... Uh, yeah, I'm not dressed up as cats. a cat to the audience that's new to Starfleet Boy. This is nothing new. I have worn this hat before. <laughs> and I, it is not a cat. It is a fox. I, I might be Star Fox. I never thought of this, but I'm Star Fox. Oh, the uh, the old the, Nintendo game. That was one of my favorite games ever. I played that for hours and hours and hours as a child. Star Fox. Uh, <laughs> what a great way to start off this episode. The crew of the Enterprise encounter a distress signal as they're exploring a new... Um, uh, uncharted uh, solar system and uh, they decide to investigate as they always do and they find uh, they send Beverly uh, Wharf and no, is it Beverly Wharf and Riker go down I just watched this and I care engage the bulk so <laughs> why the fuck do I have to talk to it I already know it's going to kill me <laughs> um Anyways, so they go down to... I've been dropping a lot of uh, curse words lately on Starfleet Point. I want to just say that, like, we are PG-13, so I have to I have to check myself before. Oh, I'm sorry. I drop a lot of, a lot of foul language on this no, show, it's okay. so I it's, I think that's. I think we're in line with PG-13, which is the goal okay. for Starfleet Point, but I just want to make sure, just because it's nighttime, I might curse 
Oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, a little. Oh. <laughs> this is Starfleet Boy After Dark. <laughs> oh, should I turn the and lights it, down? You did too. It's and it's only nighttime because we uh, we fell back. Right. Today is the first day of of falling back in the falling time. Back. Yeah. That's back. just a little. Okay. Going back to the summary. So Beverly Riker, and Worf, and maybe Jordy uh, all find uh, Data's probably there. Maybe actually, can't remember. So did, bad. Did you watch the episode, sir? I totally watched it, but I just. I just have the worst mind. Or, or are <laughs> you that. going from memory? As you said, you could do this from memory without watching. No, I it. did say that, but I did watch okay. it. I do have to admit that the at the beginning I was distracted because I was making coffee. So this is the part. Oh, this is the <laughs> coffee part. Okay. The coffee part. Go um, for it, man. Anyways, uh, they do discover that there's one survivor, and they have a whole debate uh, in the moment about whether what to even do. Should we just leave him here? Uh, the Borg are going to come back. Like we can't, there can't be any evidence that we were here. And then Beverly basically says, "Well, it's too late for that. I've already started treating him." And so um, Picard has to make a tough decision. So he decides to beam the Borg ab- aboard, despite his uh, his um, first instincts. Uh, and he detains it. Uh, what do they say? Like a detainment field or something like that. A Anyways, containment field. Yeah. Containment field. So, anyways, Picard then comes to examine this fallen uh, soldier, Borg drone, and uh, in the moment concocts. And I don't blame him if I hated the Borg as much as he does. <laughs> in the moment, he concocts <laughs> an idea, <laughs> and he presents it right there in sickbay above this uh, this like injured, dying Borg, and says, "Well, if we're going to revive it and and bring it back to health, could we also send it back?" with the equivalent of a virus that would disable the Borg uh, and render them uh, no longer a threat to, to the Federation and others. And everyone's like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> except for Dr. Cr- except for Beverly, who protests from the beginning. Right, and you can kind as of, usual. Can, yeah, but you can understand her perspective. She's actually like right when she says later on, I think, uh, that she says something like, "Well, from my perspective, I'm healing an individual. I don't see the the Borg, but I do think that like Beverly wasn't there at Wolf Three Five Nine. She didn't experience the carnage that everyone else aboard the ship experienced. So we can kind of probably understand her perspective. Anyways, uh, so that that just kind of got. We just talked about another." part of the plot there. But basically they end up reviving the Borg and installing a power conduit so that um, it can um, sustain itself while they uh, examine it and try to determine how to uh, infiltrate its uh, root systems and implant this virus uh, into into its system so that it can get it back to the, to the Borg. Meanwhile, there's a time crunch because uh, long-range sensors detect that there is in fact another scout ship on its way to investigate why the previous one went dark. So uh, they have to figure this out pretty quickly. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Dr. Crusher and Jordy start to uh, do the, uh, the examinations. And, uh, well, they, as, as, as was bound to happen, uh, they become friends with the <laughs> and even give it a name because, well, we, we know that Jordy and Beverly are very friendly. Um, so they give it the name Hugh, and Guinan's horrified by this. She's like, y- you can tell she like almost wants to like, just like slap Jordy <laughs> when he when he. Oh look, everyone's coming into this uh, this summary. <laughs> you got to say something. We got to see her. Oh she, yeah. Oh no, Jordy, <laughs> stop, stop, no, no. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's really good. Uh, Kabuki theater there, Doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, she's horrified, and then she meets it, and then they have a conversation, and the Borg uh, surprises her, uh, because the longer it's separated from the collective, the more it has to kind of make calculations and think for itself, so it's starting to like manifest a personality. 
known as Hugh. Anyways, uh, Guinan then goes to Picard and tries to convince him to see the Borg, and Picard is just outraged. It's a really good scene, I thought. We'll have to discuss that one in depth. I don't know what you thought, Doctor. <laughs> but uh, finally, she's like, well, if you're going to condemn, you know, regardless of how you feel about the Borg, if you're going to condemn them to system failure, which is the same as... Um, which is this? Which is town amount to genocide? You may as well, you know, go and talk to it or him. Everyone's calling him him at this point. Anyways, so Picard agrees, and I, he does a strange thing. He beams Hugh into his ready room. I thought he would go down to uh, to the containment area, but uh, he beams Hugh to his ready room, and then he asks um, Worf to leave the room, and then he, when Hugh recognizes him and calls him Locutus. Picard immediately jumps on this and decides to, like, see what's really at the root of all this, you know? Like, because he thinks the Borg are capable of all kind, all manner of deception, right? So he's very suspicious. And he's just, like, pounding and, and like, hammering Hugh. And the, we get the full Picard. <laughs> and, and, and then Hugh says something. Uh, he says, I. He identifies himself as I. And this, like totally throws Picard and he suddenly stops speaking like Locutus and goes back to his normal uh, self and now he's like you know everyone comes to their senses at the end and kind of it's not like really I think you know to them they were just like okay well obviously now we can't do this so then they're like okay well we're going to put this uh, Borg back and hopefully (laughs) hopefully a little bit of his individuality will infect the Borg and it does in not so great ways (laughs) But we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that yet. Today we're only focused on Iborg. <laughs> How was my summary? Was it a good Iborg. summary? Was that a- <laughs> Iborg. We're like Iborg. <laughs> Iborg, get to office. Iborg, get to office. <laughs> there we go. That was a very so good what, summary. Thank you. Was it a good summary, really? It was a very good summary. Yes, it was. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Excellent. It was. Doctor, it's nice to have you back. Um, it's nice to be back. Do you remember in like '95 or whatever it was, the year that? <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> this, I remember. This episode came out, and and how did you feel about it, was, it back it was then? Con- and, what's that? It was was it controversial? <laughs> it was controversial. I can't <sighs> I can't profess to remember anyone's uh, like. I don't have the kind of uh, mind where I can be like, oh, you said this or you said that. But I do remember that you guys thought I was ridiculous for liking this episode as much as I did. And now I realize why. And what is the reason? <laughs> so in high school, I wasn't really out or any like there was no talk of my sexuality. Whenever anyone even asked me, like, you know, did I like girls or guys? I would just say I'm asexual. Right. I remember now watching this episode. I had the hugest crush on Hugh. <laughs> I, was like, I actually thought Hugh was attractive, and Jonathan Del Arco, the actor who plays him, is actually very attractive. You can't tell. I guess he's so attractive to me that I could tell underneath all the prosthetics. <laughs> this is like one of those moments where your mom would be like, "Pero que feo!" Why would so hell I have a crush on a Borg? Look at how ugly that. Thing. Wow. <laughs> but I do remember, so I think that was the reason for my uh, my sort of uh, deep, um, how would you say, deep uh, oh love. Whoa. <laughs> Where'd you go? Wow. <laughs> now you know something new about, <laughs> about me that you did not know before. But it, it still doesn't <laughs> explain... <laughs> Well, I love this episode because I was in love with Hugh the Borg, with Hugh. and I had a total, a total like hormonal driven, hormone driven crush. Wow! <laughs> Which should tell you something about me as an individual that a, 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 yeah. a cybernetic character. Was well, my- in 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 your defense, in your defense, <laughs> they do try to teddy bear te, te, teddy bear eyes. Is that a term? The, the Borg, the, yes. The Borg, as much as they can in this episode, which which really yeah. leads he me comes to... Across, yeah. 
He comes across as an adolescent in many ways, and one of the cues is the rounded edges on all of his equipment. Yeah. Like, he has, like, very round... Like, even his feet look like... The rest of the board look like they're wearing boots, if I recall, but his feet kind of seem like like these little pads. Around. There was just something interesting about that. And no, there's no way to know if he was even a human. or a, you know, They like never a hum- try. They never they actually never say yeah, they never, the Well, because there's no way to know. Like, I think it's well, like, I would hard think to tell. Genetically, like, yes. It could test. Oh, that's, I mean, there's true. Human, that's true. I mean, not human, yeah, but there's tissue. Uh, hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, Did I just throw you a curveball? No, no, no. I mean, it, it, it opens up. <laughs> The I guess my you know the the first door, <laughs> um, which is, which is Hugh himself. Uh, you know also you know the the voice modulation is very different. You know Hugh they true. they tone it they tone down the harshness of Hugh. If you listen to the Borg in in the in the other episodes that they're in, they're much more mechanical. Even even Locutus. Did is, you notice though that they do it? Throughout, they do it more. It's more pronounced at the end of the episode. As oh he, yeah, as absolutely individuality. So I did like that actually. I thought that was by cool. the time he's in yeah. Picard's ready room, he's positively, um, you know, he has he's, a personality. He's, he's like, yeah, a, he's like a, a Disney character there. at that point. I mean, he's like <laughs> Bambi or Dumbo. I mean, he's oh just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, no, seriously, like I mean, a, no, but he has a big, like, he has the big. Eye and it kind of has the sympathy in right. the design. I have to, just say, I have wanna, to say, yeah, I never noticed that before. But now that you pointed out, like that was probably pretty good on the part of the design team. Maybe it's not like the most, like the most. Um, maybe it's a little obvious over your head, hit you over the head. But I think a for effort, right? <laughs> right? Like, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I will say this: I have very conflicted feelings about this episode. Um, Obviously, my my initial reaction way back when was was much 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 harsher, and it remains very critical today. Um, I will say this: it is a very well acted episode. Um, obviously, Jordan, uh, it, it's 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 a Jordy Crusher episode, if you want to call it that. But it's it's very well balanced in that you know Jordy and Crusher have. A lot to do and contribute to the Every, episode. Everyone's in it. Uh, Troy even protests. Like, there's a lot. There's a. There's two times that I recall there was a debate um, about the state of Hugh and what they were going to do and like things like that. And I thought it was interesting. Like, who was always? Uh, it was surprising who was, it, like, all for like annihilating the Borg. And Troy seemed to be for it. You know, like Worf is definitely for it. Riker's for it. Troy's for it. It starts out as Beverly not being for it, and then it moves to Jordy, and then Guinan, and then of course Picard is faced with like this this decision at the end. Um, but yeah, I just thought <laughs> I thought about the acting in this episode. It was actually quite superb. What is the template for you that this is trying to kind of shed light on? Like, what is this episode? What real life? Thing does this episode address? Uh, is it individuality? Like the whole idea that like we, it's easier to like, it's easier to destroy an enemy when they are faceless and unknown to you. You know, like the the whole concept of the other uh, is that where where this episode ultimately is presenting. Absolutely, know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I, I think you know, I don't think I picked up on it when I originally watched it. As a kid, but I, I do now is is the fact that Hugh is something is portrayed something like an adolescent, um, which I, I think I completely missed until this rewatching, really, oh, yeah. and and so then you know it, it kind of not now you 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 think of it in context of well you know look at. Uh, you know, in other parts of the world where where people strap bombs on kids, mm-hmm. and and certainly isn't that is, know, isn't that what Picard is doing? In essence, he's he's essence, yeah. strapping a bomb on a kid and he's sending them into, uh, you know, the Borg town square to set something off. Um, which, yeah, go ahead. That's deep. Uh, I didn't. I never thought about that um, no. until you just mentioned it. But but um, the idea that he was an adolescent, I think I did pick up on that. Obviously, since I 
was probably examining uh, the looks of the Borg really deeply now that, you know, I had a crush on on, <laughs> on the character. <laughs> but, um, but it also re- recalled and kind of, like, advanced our knowledge of the Borg in a sense because uh, in the um, previous episodes we've seen that they do... Not only do the Borg assimilate, but they also... Uh, have like a reproductive factory in which there were remember there were babies being incubated right. and so, the, so these those particular Borg like you can imagine Borg are processed in all kinds of way there's like oh we've assimilated this planet and we will add their distinctiveness to us and then there's the longer term like oh we're gonna like have to keep these genetic you know these um, bio portions active so let's produce Borg babies. So Borg babies. Jonathan Del Arco's character Hugh is one of those, I believe, Borg babies. It was born a Borg. It was not like assimilated in this traditional sense of like as an adolescent. It could have been. We don't have enough information to say well, it, but no, I'm just saying I, I think you're right because <laughs> if and now now I'm I'm going into Voyager territory, which I'm shaky on. I'm not very strong on Voyager. <laughs> right, right. Same but here. I I do believe that you know seven of nine was assimilated. You know she she was already you know a child or whatever, and then was assimilated. But she has memories prior to being assimilated. Uh, and this, Hugh doesn't did, have Hugh doesn't that. seem to have any memories uh, other than of just being, being in the board collective. So yeah. I think you are correct in, in 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 assessing that that he is one of those babies that you they pull the drawers and there are these Borg purple babies in there. I mean he's one of those yeah. for sure. <laughs> so you're you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's an interesting thing. It's just like uh, there's a lot there's a lot. I thought when I, uh, you know obviously I had uh, <laughs> you know some uh, some other reasons to like really enjoy this episode but now you know on this rewatch I noticed a lot of things like that I also thought um, it was interesting the like kind of dynamic of how his humanity uh, was being igno- I don't want to call it humanity it's such the very word human is racist <laughs> <laughs> his individuality, as they say in the in the episode, right. uh, is it, it comes through, and I think that my favorite scene is the the scene where Guinan goes to meet him because she her surprise to me was the most um, uh, you know like I really love the scene where Picard confronts him because we get the full Picard, but to me that like kind of I remember being very impactful to me as a young person because I didn't have a like a frame of reference per se to understand that like I you know we didn't have we were we didn't grow up uh with the threat of the Borg <laughs> you know uh-huh. but we do grow up um all of us uh no matter where we live on planet earth with kind of like this um you know deep-rooted fear that the other or you know they are coming like whoever they are <laughs> like the enemy as Picard refers to it uh, in this episode so you can always relate to that and you know one can't help but think like well I'm someone's enemy too like I'm, I'm you know as an American we're viewed as an enemy to perhaps you know some other group you know either or a frenemy maybe <laughs> we're hoping we're just frenemies <laughs> but you know that's the way it is and so like i can't help but wonder like where where's the common ground and i think that this episode like kind of makes you think about those things and there's no answer i have no answer for it <laughs> well i, I guess know, it's it's, it's timely <laughs> that we're rewatching this and you know, with the caravan this infamous caravan that's coming uh to us that that trump is making such a huge deal out of and saying you know they're full of murderers and rapists or whatever and and you know, I mean, is it? I mean, are there really? I mean, some people say it's just a bunch of you know. Pe- I mean, there are people fleeing, um, you know, refugees fleeing uh, countries where uh, gangs are threatening to kill their kids and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, is that is it a caravan of Borg that's coming towards us? I mean, <laughs> right. I, you know, it's a really good. Yeah, it's know. a tough question. I guess that's like the ultimate question. Uh, and and this episode, I think, gave us the best response you could expect of like this 
more enlightened version of humanity. <laughs> you know, because we do have to remember that, like, these are not supposed... Sometimes when they make decisions that seem, like, you know, uncharacteristic of, like, what we would do in our times, it's to teach us possibly another way of reacting. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that's cool. Yeah, that's all I got to say about... <laughs> I did write some notes. Did you write any notes? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm going as as usual. I, I don't write notes. Um, going straight off the top of my head. Um, like I said, the acting was excellent. Uh, I ha I have to I have to admit. I thought uh, I was especially impressed with what they did with the characters of Guinan and Picard. You know, um, those are two characters that are normally infallible, and the episode was gutsy enough to put them in a position where suddenly the viewer the audience is questioning whether or not they these two infallible characters well are they are are they actually <laughs> making the right are they are they are they speaking wisdom this time especially Guinan you know Guinan is is sort of like this character that is almost you know um Omnipotent and 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 just seems to know exactly what's going on and you know. Uh, well, and she does her, she does her great Guinan thing in the fencing scene where she teaches Picard like a lesson. And she teaches that lesson. That fencing yeah, scene was like, great, by the way. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I especially love that scene. You know, she fakes being injured and then uh, goes in for the kill. Goes in for the kill, and you think, okay, here's her. You know, showing up Picard and saying, you know. No, don't forget that they are the enemy. But then Jordy, uh, and you know, I I think I've said it before that Jordy is sort of the um, he's 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 definitely the guy. If you want to humanize the enemy, you do it through Jordy. Uh, you've we've done it. We've we've seen it before with the Romulans. Uh, yep. We'll remember that that uh, Jordy made a Romulan friend. Uh, a couple of seasons ago, and uh, it was it was that was a, a great episode, and it's something that Le, um, Levar Burton, you know, it's a credit to his acting because it's it's not none of it is forced. It, it, well, Jordy and, is just so naturally manages, friendly. Yeah, but he also manages to convince you that he's also really pissed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because because he like his some of his comments and and again the performance is wonderful, Lavar Burton. Uh, if you ever hear this, I hope you're honored. <laughs> but but um, no, he's pissed. Like, and you could tell. Like, he there's it, 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 that feels just as real as Jordy's normal nature, which is to be. He is the, he is the most friendly character, and and he and his, and I think that like. He embodies that spirit of friendship that the Federation is supposed to espouse as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, Jordy. Um, you know, George. <laughs> what's going on? That's um, Jordy on the phone there. Um, Jordy uh, in this episode. I, I think Jordy is the unsung hero of, of this episode, really. Um, and and he kind of fulfills the same role that he does in in that Romulan episode. Um, when, that's the immediate comparison that that I that comes to mind. And then of course Beverly Crusher. Uh, also, you know, the episode naturally draws out her her natural instincts and in, you know not really caring who the injured party is, just that this is a being who needs help, and she doesn't care. Who it is, and um, and and I, I think that's one one of her great qualities. So this episode really does a great job of highlighting uh, the the better qualities of of these two characters of Crusher and and Jordy, and and they're two characters that don't off you know they're overall they don't get the huge chunk. Of the attention on this show, and I appreciated that that they were the ones, and and I think one of the best scenes in the show is the one where the two of them have Hugh in the um, in the lab, the same lab that and Data the same uses. lab from right to create Lal, and um, and then later on Locutus is there, 
but I think it's right before they get Hugh, and and they, Jordy kind of is is angry at at Crusher a bit. Yeah, and he's kind of you know kind of being pissy with her, and and she's like, well, I know what I have to do, but I don't have to like it, you know, right. and and like, and it's yeah, a rare. True. Moment of disagreement amongst the the this cast. Uh, one of the things that people typically attack Next Generation for is that everybody just gets along so damn well. But here is an episode where we actually see people disagreeing and uh, and 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 trying to put their points of view across without you know calling somebody stupid or whatever right. they're, they're just okay fine we got to do this but i don't have to like it and but you move on you know you go on and you do your job and and uh i think uh i, I know you've you've many times have said that this is a great next generation is a great uh showcase for what you're supposed to do in, in the workspace and and, <laughs> it's true. and I, I think, I, I think protocol this is, it teaches you protocol it's like a really great great way to learn that <laughs> yeah i think this is another episode where it shows effective work space protocol you know you, you we have the borg we don't want the borg in our space but damn it okay i've said my piece i'm gonna keep on and i'm gonna whatever scan his innards or whatever you know um I, I think that, like, I would have liked, uh, and I don't know if you feel the same way or if you had this thought, but watching it this time around, I, I was thinking, like, it would have been neat to have a, just, like, a little bit more of Data's perspective uh, in this episode because I think that, like, he should have an opinion on it considering that the Borg are just another variation of, you know, a, a, a somewhat a life form that's not, you know, your usual carbon-based <laughs> situation. So I, I don't think I ever got much of a sense other than, of course, Data, I think, assisted Jordy in making the the um, the paradoxical shape that's going to uh, that's going to confound the Borg. <laughs> that's probably the weakest part of the episode, but yeah, okay. It is kind of... I have to give it though. I have to give it a, a hats off to its complete originality because you would think that it was going to be code, right? Like that's what I thought. Like that they were going to put code into its root systems because that's how you know, we imagine modern computers being like that, right? But their solution is to present the computer with something that's going to overwhelm. I mean, this shape is just going to get the computer to completely focus on it. All throughout all and you know it'll it'll fry the system just because it's like an impossible shape to understand but the computer will think that three of five saw it and want to know what <laughs> what is this you know like whatever does not compute it does not compute of course we don't know the Borg queen at this point um so i have a feeling that she would have stepped in and been like you fools stop analyzing this shape Oh, Locutus, <laughs> keep trying, my darling. You kinky devil. Um, <laughs> acting aside, um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, as I said, Patrick Stewart is excellent, and uh, and Whoopi Goldberg is guided, and I like that those two characters were tested in the way that they were. All of that aside, um... There are things about the episode I highly dislike, and and they are um, that and some of it has to do with the timing, the original timing of the episode. Uh, it doesn't hold up; those complaints don't hold up as much now. Uh, but at the time, the thing that really upset me is that I just, you know, we'd only seen the Borg in on three occasions. We'd seen them in the original appearance with with Q, and then we'd seen the best of both worlds, and which were just phenomenal episodes. And right away, you know, what what is Star Trek going to do? Okay, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna make them nice, and I it, make uh, one of them nice. Well, <laughs> make them nice. Um, Kill and them with I think Anyways, they're you know I come from. This is this just me? You know, obviously, this is me. Where I come from, I, I come from a, a, 
of viewing history where, you know, I like my bad guys bad. You know, uh, I watched a lot of Doctor Who. You know, the Daleks are irredeemably evil. The Cybermen <laughs> are irredeemably evil. Um, I think there is great... Uh, there's great value in having an irredeemable villain. I like monsters. Uh, you know, I, I say monsters in the Doctor Who sense. Uh, it, you know, Doctor Who had this idea of like the monster of the week or whatever, and and they were the it was basically the villain of the week. Uh, but I like that idea of something that is just irredeemably evil that you have to fight. Uh, I think in American terms, maybe the horror movies are more akin to that where you know you have you know the slasher movies i guess the freddies and the jasons not that i'm a big fan of those movies but um but even the you know the the mummy or or the creature or whatever uh although they're not irredeemably evil uh but still just something an, a force that you just cannot reason with it's coming after you it's coming to get you I think there's great value in that. And the Borg, when they were first introduced, was something that Star Trek had just never had before. And I, because, you know, even the Klingons, really, I mean, obviously the Klingons are not monolithic because they're a race and, and they have culture and all this stuff. But the Borg were presented to me, in my eyes, as like this finally a, a monolithically bad guy, you know, evil race that you, they're just relentlessly just going to come after you no matter what. Uh, in, in, in many ways, they're, they're, they're like high-tech zombies. Um, you know, today we have zombies aplenty, but I think uh, somebody could make a case to trace, you know, the beginnings of this zombie resurgence back to the Borg. Because I think after first contact is when we had, you know, shortly after we had 28 days later. And, and then after that, we just started having zombies left and right. Uh, but really, I think, you know, the idea of, of this relentless, you know, undead, basically they're undead in a way, uh, uh, you know, invasion force is, is, is just awesome. And I really wasn't ready to have an episode where suddenly we get to know them and and hug them and 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 cuddle with them. I just wasn't ready for that. I wanted mo- another ep- I wanted more relentless just the board coming after the enterprise and the enterprise having to shoot their way out of it. It's not it's not what I wanted and and you know, it wasn't, you know, to to give Voyager some credit when Voyager basically did the same thing with Seven of Nine. It was already after First Contact. So we'd already had more time with, with the Borg. And I think Voyager did the right thing in doing it then because we'd had, you know, enough time had passed. But I personally don't think I was ready for a kindlier a kinder, cuddlier Borg at that time, and I, I still don't think it's it was it was the right decision. I do think, though, that I appreciate you saying before you, you went on that very informative. Uh, <laughs> My Borg rant. <laughs> Your Borg rant, very informative one. I now I understand how you feel a lot more, which is cool. But um, but before you did say that this was stronger feeling in the in the moment and that now having had first contact and realizing that it this episode ultimately didn't alter that that bad bad guy you know well, it did for a while but then we went back to the bad right. bad guy in Which, first contact I, I guess so what you can I say though it, you know what's neat is what's neat though is that again the reason why i i say perhaps that this episode uh like a good wine ages better you know like is because it actually like you know, and again, I don't know that there was any like real intention. It would be amazing if the writers were this clever, but this just happens sometimes in a show where I think Seven of Nine enhances this episode. I think uh, First Contact enhances this episode because it gives you this idea of like the 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 Borg that 
even the individuality of Hugh didn't infect the Borg as the as they had hoped. What they ended up doing was just like a cancer slicing off a section of these Borg and just being like, you're ostracized from the collective. You know what I mean? Like the actual Borg di- wasn't even affected by this. You know what I mean? Like, well, but they we didn't know that until the, first contact. But that's what, what I'm saying is like the pay. That's why this episode gets better after everything you know like it's a yeah, little bit better in the moment after. it's it's no it i agree sucks. i agree well i because agree where you're where you're coming and then from the if next i didn't have episodes. a crush if i didn't have a crush on hugh i would feel the same exact way but unfortunately my experience was was the one you couldn't have had until seven of nine because because you no you it has nothing have. to do with my feelings i don't like seven of nine at all let all me right, just, fine, just say fine. whatever I, have, I hate seven of nine as a character all right but I agree. I'm, just, okay. I'm just saying that by the time we get to Voyager, <laughs> you know, we, we've had more history with the Borg. So right. the idea of having a rehabilitated Borg didn't sting as much. But, and, but having. It, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I see what you're saying, 100%. But I'm glad you found some value. I, I hope it makes it to at least a five. I'm, I'm hoping you give it at least a five. That would uh, that would be the happiest I would ever be. <laughs> um, but we haven't gotten to that quite yet. Um, no, no, we haven't. <laughs> Do you have anything from the books, the various books we consult? Well, uh, actually, before we go to the books, I you know, he, Hugh has made it into a few other uh, non-canon. <laughs> media related to Star Trek. I always like to share those. And uh, let me see if I can remember how to... Okay, screen oh. share. There we go. We're going to do screen <laughs> share, for ladies nice. and gentlemen. All right. So here we go. Share. And um, hold on. So this is oh. Cry Havoc and... And um, let slip the dogs of war. And ladies and gentlemen, does that not look like Bane? Do you see that? Where's hold on? Uh, can you hit the present to everyone button? Oh, oh, am I not doing that? Uh oh. Okay, hold no, on. It should be up there on the top, like the green area. Present to everyone. No. Hmm. Here. Oh, I think I can use my commander skills. Hold on, hold on. All right, now it's on the screen for everyone. Okay. Oh, all your right. background's Emma. That's so cool. All right. <laughs> You mean Bane, like uh, Tom Hardy, who do, like do that you, same character? Do you not see what I'm seeing? Oh, you I don't see, see what's on my screen right now. I see a Tholian. okay, but and don't you see Bane right here? Oh, I don't know enough about Bane from the comics to know that that's Bane. well. Yeah, what Bane, Bane from from yeah from bat, from Tom Hardy Bane. That looks like Bane, doesn't it? That's Bane yeah. and Hugh right there. I don't know why well, he was hanging that? out in with... In this comic, what is that? In, the, is in that? this comic, apparently the Tholians t- uh, team up with the Borg somehow. Oh. Yeah, so... Ooh, maybe Tholians I, can't be assimilated. Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, they, ha- they like, exist in these extreme environments. Yeah, but it is... I just want to go back... I mean, the... I love the cover. The cover is... Let me get to... That's the cover. That's Hugh right there. Hmm. It's a little older, Hugh. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is issue seventy-five, so it's 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 later on. I wonder how far Hugh goes. I wonder if uh, there's. Do you think there's a story that's yet to be told in uh, in the uh, upcoming Star Trek uh, Old Man Picard series? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my! I, I don't know about that. I've stopped sharing, um, by the way. Right? Yes. Yes. We're back you're to back. normal. Okay. You're I, back. Just, I didn't want to hijack Welcome the show too back. long. But yeah, Hugh appears in in that issue, and then apparently he also appears mm-hmm. in the Aveng- in the William Shatner written Avenger, in which Hugh and Captain Kirk uh, have an adventure together. Apparently, Hugh heals his wounds. Wow, Hugh's resonated. <laughs> apparently. The character resonated with more than just this little guy who had a crush back in the 90s, 92. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Um, in 93. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. And and you're saying William Shatner wrote this book? Like, how did he that wrote, happen? Was he, he like... Wrote, well, Shatner was he wrote several books. Um, uh, you know, he wrote... Yeah, he wrote several. He wrote, like, the definitive... He I wrote could the see adventure Shatner... Right, <laughs> 
I could see William Shatner sitting at home, perhaps with a glass of whiskey or some beverage, and he's just like, let me just turn on the TV, and this episode, he's never seen Next Generation at all. He's never seen this it. Epi- he's there. This is his first <laughs> Why would he? Episode. Why would he need to he, see this, it, right? This is his first episode of Star Trek <laughs> And he's watching, and he goes, darling, th- darling, whoever he's with at the time. Antonio. Like, Darling, Antonia, this is insane. Look at what what they've done to Star Trek. It's out of control. There's a there's a Borg and there's a wow. And I just want to write more about it. <laughs> like, I don't know what a Borg is, but I want to write. I want more to do about ra- I want to do more about the Borg. Hugh, Hugh, what a simple name, Hugh. Hugh, such a beautiful name. <laughs> I want Hugh to heal my wounds. <laughs> I just want to know how that happened. Like, how did like William Shatner discover this episode, and I then decide to write a book about Hugh? I think that's lovely. I don't know. It's called Avenger, <laughs> and you're 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 free to reread it. It's it's available from wow. from from Balting Books on on in digital format and in print. Valentine, right? Valentine. Very nice. And what? Where else has Hugh reared his ugly? <laughs> It's Feo Cabeza. Uh, you know what? Other than, other than the other episode, um, you know, which he's in uh, later on, uh, very few, very, very little. He's actually, uh, he's in a, a Next Generation novel called Greater Than the Sum. And I know very little about that, but it is uh, one of the more recent. It, actually, it involves the Enterprise E. So it is... Um, it is a more recent, uh, you know, more recent Star Trek novel, but I, I know very little. Oh, and it's part of the which you you had mentioned Star Trek Destiny in the last episode. It oh, is part. Gotcha. It is part okay. of that. Uh, it is part of that trilogy of novels. Well, it's it's so, rumored that it's rumored that um, the uh, television series uh, with Picard will probably be somehow based. On those books, uh, or or present some themes from those books. No, one never knows. No, um, I I really hope it's TNG Part Two. <laughs> like, do, do you do you want Hugh to return in Old Man Picard? Well, yeah, especially if it's an ongoing series with no end date. If it's like a limited series, I think I'd want to save the episodes for more more pressing things. But if it's an ongoing series and there's no you know, if, if uh, Pat Stewart's like, I'll I'll just do this <laughs> until I can't, <laughs> then I would think there's room for everyone. Like, I think he should make an appearance for sure. You know, wow. further down the line, maybe in the in the in the second season five. Um, I I think there's like uh, there's like a another thing we talked about him in the previous episode, but the. Uh, I should really know his name, but the guy who created Rick and Morty has also been running for several years a Twitter, apparently. And I learned this about uh, about this from Sean also, by the way, from Trek on the Tube. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, but he also had a Twitter where he was doing these, like, uh, in, in a humorous way, all these, like, season eight of TNG plot, plot ideas. <laughs> so <laughs> you might want to go check that out and read them because some of them are some, uh, pretty funny. I can't recall one specific one off the top of my head. But um, there's another Twitter uh, worth following called Riker Googling. I don't know if you've ever encountered oh, that God, one. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Riker Googling is, like, one of my favorite. And then there's Picard Management Tips. So if you're looking for that, uh, that like, inspirational workplace, you know, kind of tip, you can go to the Picard Management Tips Twitter and, and, and tune into those as well. That's funny. That's funny. Um, <laughs> all right, are we at the ratings? Oh no, you haven't done the books. You, Let is me there see, anything uh, to say? I don't know. Does Chapman, this, Chapman I, have anything to say about this episode? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Let me see what. Uh, oh wow, he jumps from from um, imaginary <laughs> friend to the inner light. Is the inner light oh. next? Is it? No. I don't know. He jumps right to it. Let me see. Extraordinary. Let's see what that says. TNG season season five episodes. Wow. I don't think the inner light is next. It's 
No, after this comes Weird. an episode he doesn't called seem to write about you. The next phase. Oh, maybe he had a crush on uh, you just like I did. He couldn't find anything anything to say or he had a bad week with his mother. <laughs> Let me see <laughs> if there's an appendix where he does go back and <laughs> and cover aliens that he missed in previous issues which I discovered. Oh, well, he would just have an opinion on the Borg. Probably not. If oh, we're that's, just doing aliens well, that's generically. True. That's true. I don't know. I don't see anything about Hugh. Yeah, no, he goes right from Isabella to the Catassians. Ca- yeah. So no, no, no comment on, on Hugh. And, um, well, the only other thing I have here is, again, Cinema Fantasque, which would do, uh, see, uh, see, uh, they would analyze a whole season at a glance, and they they did some of the best Star Trek analysis of the time. And they actually give it three stars, and they say, A triumph in giving the so-called enemy a human face. Unfortunately, the Borg don't need a human face. (laughs) This story story would have worked with any villain. Making, Making it the Borg was a mistake, emasculating... Emasculating the single greatest antagonist ever created for Star Trek. It's an astoundingly well-written, exceptionally well-performed installment with a strong message that was, in effect, ill-conceived. That pretty much sums up what I say. Interesting. Uh, One of the uh, Memory Alpha points, uh, you know, sometimes they tell you how the reception was, right? Jerry Taylor, who provided an uncredited uh, polish on the script commented that this episode meant that we can never treat the Borg the same way again. And exactly. Do you think right? Exactly. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, I mean, with, fir- with First Contact, we kind of went back to, you know, just purely evil Borg. Um, yeah, but, of course, there was the innovation of the Borg Queen. But, you know, moving on, I mean, let's face it. We see the Borg only, if I'm not mistaken, one more time which is the two-parter with Lore, where they team up with Lore, and they're very underwhelming there as well because of the Hue contamination. So it, it just seemed like they were such a, 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 an unstoppable force of nature, and it was just something just lingering, you know, at the edge of space, it, 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 waiting to, to possibly th- destroy everything that we knew on Star Trek. You know, and it just just fell apart with this episode. I mean, suddenly they tried to make the Borg into a teddy bear. And and I just remembered at the time hating the episode. And and today I I appreciate the episode for its thematic content. And I do admire the acting, but I still hate what it did to the Borg. I think it's worth uh, to to go off of just I I know what you're saying. Like I see this, I see all the issues that you're having with it, and I I think I agree mostly with with what you're saying from a rational standpoint. But there is the there is the pull of like you know this sort of like how you said earlier when we were talking about this. You're really conflicted about this episode because there are such awesome performances, and also like it's very impactful. Like it really gets you. Like Jonathan Del Arco. He says, all I had to go on as an actor was one of the best scripts I'd ever read. It was so, you read it, you read the script and it comes to life. I heard the voice in my head. It holds up. So like he was moved by this performance and you could see why. Like there's an incredible transformation occurring, even if you don't agree with it. You know what I mean? Like uh, for this character. And I think as an actor, that's very exciting. And then um, Michael Pillar goes, is quoted here as saying, uh, there were some people who really felt that Iborg betrayed the vision of the board because it humanized them more than they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But I just think every time you can understand your enemy, those stories have a huge impact. And and I did think about this during this show, during this episode. I thought about uh, how it was in, in a very kind of like in the same vein, not exactly a parallel, but to Ender's Game. Um uh, which yeah. is one of my favorite favorite books, mm-hmm. um, and that goes way further 
<laughs> yeah, with that. It does. But like the the name, the title, you know, Ender's Game comes from the idea of an end game, right? You know, and this was this this episode presents us with an end game scenario, and the Federation chose not to act. And there's, I think, what's great is that like the the they by choosing not to act the consequences are immense <laughs> so well, i think this episode actually becomes important later on also because this is the moment when for better or worse picard like so many billions more die now because they didn't infect the borg with this debilitating um you know program so it's it's a curious episode in many ways i think Right, that's what I was going to say, is that really, you know, Picard makes a decision that, for you know, and I, I feel in another episode, they would have had Starfleet involved. I mean, for the purposes of this episode, they didn't. But let's face it, if they had encountered the Borg and had brought a Borg aboard the ship, they, Starfleet would have, like, known about it and they would have said, bring this puppy to Earth right now. Let us dissect it. Let us... I mean, they were going to do it with fucking data, you know, a couple right. of seasons there was ago. A larger, Are you going to tell there me was a larger drama. Yeah, there was a larger drama at play, and one wonders why it wasn't Starfleet uh, looped in, at least not to the viewer, you know, at least not to the reader, viewer, whatever, the you know, the <laughs> the audience. Uh, there, You're right, there's no evidence that they even... like. There is the none. Incident, there's none at know? all. And, and there's, there's no... There, it's just unimaginable that that they would have um that they would have done it and and to be to be honest you know when you look at first contact and uh and and, you know they get the orders to patrol the the neutral zone you know you, you can almost think well they're referencing this episode because Picard <laughs> fucked it up. You know, he he, he 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 he. We had a chance to go up to the Borg, and he and and he didn't he didn't he didn't push the button. And you know, I think from an outsider point of view, they would have said, "Well, you know, maybe he's still somehow under Borg control. Maybe you know, because it just the decision made to put you back out there like that." just doesn't really make sense in in the big picture I, I i think the drama works self-contained but when you put it back into the big picture none of it makes sense i don't think starfleet would have allowed picard to have made a decision like that and and i don't, I don't i'm not can totally convinced picard would even have made i don't think we saw the true picard I don't think we saw the true Picard in this episode. <laughs> well, I, I, I said the full Picard. It's you said the from, full Picard, but I'm saying yeah, I don't the, think we saw the true Picard <laughs> in this episode. I, I don't see, really see him being swayed that much. Uh, I mean, it is, a, it is a very, you know, powerful scene when he, he kind of steps back into Locutus and he's drilling the Borg and he sees that the Borg is, is uh, you know, is basically ineffective and as a Borg anymore uh, as a child I guess uh, nonetheless you know I don't know I just the drama works but it doesn't I, I, I'm very conflicted with this episode I, <laughs> I, I, I don't it's well acted but I, I just I, I don't know I think I I, I admire them trying to go for you know trying to go for this but I, I don't I don't for me it does it ultimately it doesn't work I think the the inherent value of having the Borg as a as a villain as a just an irredeemable villain is something that uh, is is too great to pass up because you really can't do that with Klingons you can't do that with Cardassians you can do it with the Borg as they were presented up to now I think this is a game changer for the Borg um it, it they are no longer just this ominous threat. Uh, they're not the boogeyman anymore. Now they've been humanized, and once you humanize one, you can obviously imagine others being humanized. and And I think you you've lost something. And I think it's just, and at the end of the day, this is this is an action adventure show. I mean, you need you have good guys and you have bad guys. 
and you just lost the best bad guy you ever had. So, the, I I think I'm ready I for my see rating. what you're saying. I, okay, I'm ready too. I think I see what you're saying. I just want to present one last little argument point out. Mm-hmm. Yes, Star Trek as a show, technically speaking, you're 100% right, is an action-adventure show, and it's so much better when you have, like, this immense conflict and drama and, like, these uh, no-win scenarios, so to speak. But I, but I won't fault... I won't fault... Um, the writers for trying to portray what the lives of these people might actually be like, what the Federation, what the actual Federation that is being depicted might actually be like in genuine. And I think that's the attempt that was made. I unfortunately don't think it was 100% successful either. So it's not going to be a a perfect uh, episode, but I do like this episode a lot. Obviously, as always, I, I attach great sentimental value to it and uh yeah that's it so i've justified my rating which is lower than when i started this episode i am going to give this episode a 7.5 it was originally going to get an 8.5 so you knocked me down a little bit doctor (laughs) so 7.5 for iborg but honorable mentions to everyone because the performances were so good it was hard to like not give it a 10 <laughs> right and and you know it, again i'm very i'm very conflicted and i just want to explain my rating before i give it which is you know i because i i do give a lot of thought into these ratings and i you know for a while you wanted to go to a, just a thumbs up thumbs down kind of thing and i said no because the, there's there's too much nuance and and I think you this is one of those now lie in it, <laughs> right? And well, this is this is why I like the number system because, you know, I, it's not just a, there's a lot of 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 nuance to to the ratings. I feel and and I I think if if I say it's a five, then it's just an average, good episode. So I can't give it a five because I really hate parts of this episode i really really hate it (laughs) wow so i have to go under a five but you know again the acting is very good in this episode and there are and it is a well-written episode i just wish they hadn't used the borg so i have to give it a 4.5 it can't reach the five it's it's as close as i can get to a five but it's it's a 4.5 just on principle because I just don't like what they did to the Borg I really don't and there's things that don't make sense I don't know why I don't know how you can make a decision you know the Borg every time they've been introduced it's it's just a mega it's of mega importance to everything in the universe and you have this episode and it's just kind of self-contained and they're, and they're there for a while you know, it's not like it happens over. It's not like it's like it's a quick episode. They're there for a couple well, of days. Yeah, the, it looks like. Well, yeah, the drone. And, and the, what? The, the second drone ship was like twenty hours away when they detected. Right? It, so, Are you yeah. trying to tell me that when Picard is making uh, logs, uh, captain's logs, Starfleet <laughs> is not like uh-huh, uh-huh. they what? <laughs> They've got a Borg. I mean, why was Who it Shelby? Where is Who's Shelby? The, since, Why since is Shelby said not that, dispatched? Since, he, I, no. since we talked about this and we know that there's no robots reading this, the captain's logs, right? Like, who's the person at Starfleet that reads the Enterprise, the captain's <laughs> logs? Like, is it Admiral Necheyev? Does she get a briefing every every day? Like, at the yes. end of the day, does she get, like, yes. an email that says, Here's, an you, email. you're in charge of, like, ten ships, and here are all the captain's logs. And here logs, are all the captain's right? logs. Hey, Picard says that they have a Borg. Over in Sector 12. Do you know about this? Do you th- can you see her spitting her wine out? She's like, I should have listened to these a week ago. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then she calls and she's like, Picard, why didn't you tell me about the Borg? I, I put it in my log. I thought you'd listen to them every night, Nechev. <laughs> Where is you now? I let him go. You did what? <laughs> If I, mean, I didn't seriously. like you so much, Picard, <laughs> I really, is it really like that? Is it like that? Yes, that's is exactly it how like... it is. That's exactly how it is. Exactly All right, so is. I say, so it's I say a four. that you gave it's a four. I, you know what? I'm, I'm pleased that you got that high. I really thought you were gonna, based on my remembrances of. Uh, that was gonna give it a reaction. one. 
yeah, I thought it was going to be in that in the realm of one or two. So you exceeded my my um, <laughs> expectations. So I'm actually not too, as far as our you know, relativistically speaking, as far as our uh, feelings go, I feel like we're not too far off here. Um, and I would say that that's nice because it actually averages the episode out to a 5.5 with when we combine our two uh, ratings, and that makes it a pretty uh, that th- I feel good about that. <laughs> All right, you look for gold or depending you want, on. Yeah, <laughs> hey, if Gary was here, it'd be a much higher higher average rating because I'm sure oh, Gary God. would give this episode a ten, a hundred percent sure. Are you In fact, sure? I'll ask him a ten. I'm gonna ask him. We're gonna find out. I'll report next time I see you. But uh, this I is think an you, episode Doctor. that should have had more. <laughs> I would have liked to. I really would have liked to have known. I really would like to know what the others think of this, because you know we've been living with this episode for a long time. Uh, but I don't know what other people think of this. I really don't. Well, there's definitely room to uh, find out. Um, I do make little log notes here to try to bring things up on the future episodes. So. Uh, there are some really big episodes coming up that I feel like uh, group discussions would be uh, quite uh, quite apt for. So we'll try to line those up and then maybe maybe return to these and and maybe season five at the end of season five we'll have our first largest summit. <laughs> you know, I'm really looking so many, forward to so the many season. On, yeah, the season recap. For, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think season, season five. five. And, How many more do we have left to go? Not much. We're, this is episode 22, so uh, what is that? Four more episodes to go in the season. Holy cow, only four? Yeah, aren't there 26 episodes in this season? Let's take a look. So what's left? <clears throat> Here, I'll tell you right now. I mean, the inner light is one of them. Yes. Hold on. Season five. There's one called The Next Phase, which I don't know what that is. I don't remember that one either. I'm very curious to watch it. Now I'm all caught up on my... I'm not ahead anymore. Oh my Um, god, there's there's the the next phase, and then there's the inner light. (laughs) And then Time's Arrow, and that's it. Holy cow, and Time's Arrow. There's only three more episodes left. So there's only three episodes left. Yep. Wow, I'm shocked. Wow. We're getting Mm. through it. (laughs) Wow. We're almost Getting at the end. Getting through it. We're almost... Oh, no. We're closer to the end now than we are to the beginning. Yeah. Doctor. Season six and seven are next, and that's it. So as far seven, as Star Trek The Next the Generation is concerned... Doctor. Doctor. As far as Star Trek The Next Generation is concerned, you and I have memories longer than the road that stretches on ahead. Oh, All right. On wow. that note, wow. <laughs> live wow. long and prosper. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>